Space, the final frontier. This is the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. It's mission to explore the solar system, to seek out new observations and data, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And now the host of the Observer's Notebook, Tim Robertson. Welcome to episode 128 of the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. My name is Tim Robertson. I'm the host of the podcast and also the coordinator of the training program within the ALPO. Thanks for downloading and listening. The Association of Lunar Planetary Observers collects and analyzes various solar system bodies and associated phenomenon and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication, the Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. This podcast depends upon donations from you, our listeners, to keep it alive. If you enjoy what you hear on the podcast, you can donate to it via Patreon by giving as little as $1 a month. If you feel even more generous, for $5, you receive early access to the podcast before it goes public. For a monthly donation of $10, you receive a copy of the Novice Observer's Handbook. And for $35, you receive one year's membership to the Alpo and producer credits on the podcast. You can help us out by going to www.patreon.com slash Observer's Notebook. And if you'd like to join the Alpo, membership begins at only $18 a year. You can find out more at www.alpo-astronomy.org. And we're also on the Facebook. Just search for ALPO Astronomy. And yes, this podcast also has its own Facebook page as well. Just search for Observer's Notebook. And please, if you enjoy what you hear on the podcast, please, please, please subscribe. That way you'll never miss any other episode. And now, this episode of the Observer's Notebook, where we're going to talk about a little, little, little observed planet, uh, Uranus. I hope you enjoy it. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back to this edition of the Observer's Notebook podcast. I'd like to welcome back to the podcast a repeat visitor, uh, Richard Schmoody, the coordinator of the remote planet section of the Alpo. Welcome back, Richard. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, it's good to have you. Um, now, tonight we're going to talk about um, not the remote planet section specifically, but the planet Uranus. Um, I guess it's reaching opposition in November, I think November 4th of this year. So it'll be available for all night observing. So why don't you just talk to us a little bit about what you observe with the Uranus section in the Oppo? Okay. Well, before I talk about what I observe, I'd like to talk about how I find Uranus. And this is the most important thing here, people. Um, um, you need really three things. Um, the first thing you need is a telescope with a pretty good finder scope. Uh, I've got a 50 millimeter finder scope on my telescope and it, it's, it's great. You probably can get by with a little less than that. The second thing you need is a, a star atlas and the position of Uranus. And the third thing, and most importantly, is you need a pair of binoculars. Every year, I use my binoculars to find Uranus, particularly that first or second time. Um, for example, this year I have not searched for Uranus yet. Um, at least I don't think I have, or if mm -hmm. I have, 
I didn't get any measurements because the sky was clouded, but it never fails. I bring those binoculars and I find Uranus in the binoculars first, and then I search for it in the telescope. Okay, so this, this is very important. Now, what I have done for the last, oh, 30 or so years is I have measured the brightness of Uranus in mostly the blue and the green filters, okay, green light, particularly the green light. And um, fortunately, we've had others submit some really good data to particularly uh, Jim Fox. And uh, so that's the main thrust or program of the remote planet section. However, in recent years, people have also been able to image Uranus in the red and the near infrared filters. And these images have revealed detail on Uranus, particularly the bright north polar, um, I'm going to call it a, a north polar hood, um, all, along with some other interesting details. And um, um, so those are the two main things we have been doing over the last several years. Okay. Now, it's good that you mentioned learning to find Uranus because it's not a dim planet. I mean, it's it's about sixth magnitude, so that's the limit of perfect scene. I mean, perfect uh, yes. magnitude where you could find it barely naked eye, probably. But like you mentioned, uh, no, knowing where it's at and then using binoculars to fine tune and then using your telescope to zoom in on that area. That's that's great advice. Great advice. Yes. Um, what magnification do you need to really do serious observations of of Uranus? Okay, if you want to look for surface features, the yes. first thing I, I recommend is it's going to be difficult. I mean, I succeeded once in seeing a surface feature on Uranus, and that was with a 14-inch uh, Schmidt-Cass grain telescope. Oh, my. I think the magnification was somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 power. Okay. What is more important, I think you're going to be more likely to succeed if you use a really big telescope, and what I mean by that is 20 inches or larger, but use a red filter if you want to just look visually. Of course, the camera can do so much better than our eyes. In particular, I mean, we can't even see near-infrared light. So uh, um, we've had people successfully image detail on Uranus with uh, telescopes as small as 10 inches. Mm -hmm. um, but but again, it's the filters that are important. A red filter is you're more likely to see detail than you are just looking with your eyes without a filter at all. Now, when you say detail, you mean like the belts? Um, well, the cloud, the, the the North Polar Hood. That's the okay. big detail you'll see. Okay. Um, we could we did see belts back oh maybe 2012 2013, but they have. What's happened around 2016, one of the belts merged with the North Polar Hood. So now you just got one big, huge uh, white area. And the tilt of Uranus now is changing. So the, the North Pole is actually going to face us or near the North Pole around the year 2029. And we're already seeing, I would guess this year, we're looking at, oh, 
we're getting close to 50 degrees north latitude, you know, okay. at the center of Uranus's disk. So the equator is going to be greatly foreshortened um, in okay. 2021. All right. Now, what about imaging the planet? Um, well, the best advice I can give you is Christophe Pellier and his colleagues have written a great book. It has just come out this year. Um and I believe it's from Axial Publishing. You'll have to order it online. I tried to, I mean, I went to Barnes & Noble um, oh, about a month ago. And as you know, they're the biggest bookseller in the country. And they said they couldn't get the book. I mean, Yeah, I, it's, so. it, it's, it's called Planetary Astronomy, and I'm holding it in my hands right now. Yes. <laughs> and actually, I'm going to have Christoph on the podcast in a few weeks to yes, talk so. about the book. So it's, it's one of the finest reference books. It goes back to... Uh, Chick Capen and Don Parker, those guys that wrote uh, uh, Observing and Photographing the, the Solar System. It's it's that good of a book. I mean, it's, yes. it's excellent. Yes. So so this is what I recommend. Get that book. And uh, Christophe Pillier is doing some really mm-hmm. groundbreaking work, 21st century technology type of work. And actually, it's going to come out in my uh, 2021 uh, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto report. Um, um, That'll hopefully be published sometime next year. Um, I just sent it to the editor, uh, I guess, two weeks ago or something okay. like that. Yeah, so. it's funny because as I was prepping for this podcast, I actually read his chapter on, on Uranus. So, you know, it's it, he's got a lot of great information in it. Yes, yes. So that's what I would go with. And, you know, there's two two routes you can go with the remote planets, and that is imaging. and photoelectric photometry, and you can also do spectroscopy too. I mean, Christoph, I'm sure, talks about spectroscopy mm-hmm. as well. In fact, he's sort of, um, he's actually able to get brightness data from his spectrum, which is really great. Hmm. Okay. So within the Alpo, are there observing programs for your hands? Um, yes. Um, I, mean, I mean, we've got a, a, an entire section that's called the remote planet section mm-hmm. and it includes um uranus neptune and traditionally pluto as well okay Pluto's as, the dwarf planet we right. still consider it you know part of the section yeah it's it's hard to let go <laughs> yes um so what type of observations are you looking for from uh from observers um well images are the first thing um secondly brightness measurements. And then thirdly, joining the two together. And this is what Christoph did last November. He imaged Uranus in the blue and the green and the red and the near infrared light filters. He then was able to extract the albedo, that's the fraction of light that an area reflects for the north polar area and for the rest of the disk. And what he found was the albedo was almost identical for the blue and the green filters, which are called B and B. But for the infrared filter, the albedo of the North Polar region was something like 50% higher than it was for the rest of the disk. And that's why it is so much easier to image that feature. And so what I'm hoping will happen is that in the future, we can actually sort of get albedo measurements of the North Polar region 
to hmm. find out, is it getting brighter with time? Um, it looks like it's getting smaller. Um, if you look at my report that I just submitted. However, you know, this is sort of groundbreaking work. Um, as far as I know, we have not done this before. You know, the last time the North Polar region was facing us was probably, I'm guessing, um, 1950s, something like okay. that. Of course, we didn't have the technology we have. No. No. Okay. So that's the type of observations you're looking for. Um, it, it's not like Mars or it's not like Jupiter and Saturn where the contributions come in all the time. How many cont contributors do you have to uh, the remote planet section? Typically around a dozen, maybe oh. a little bit more. And it depends on how I count them too. I, I oftentimes count people who have submitted to the ALPO Japan latest Okay. Although technically that's, that's, I consider that a worldwide website. Mm -hmm. um, if you just look at the ALPO. It's about a dozen. Um, if you look at ALPO Japan, you throw in another dozen maybe. Okay. Um, there's All something right. else I forgot to, to mention. I am also looking for a third kind of measurement. And that is the brightness measurements of the brightest moons. Um, People did that a few years ago. It was just unfiltered CCD images, but still that was something. Um, but I'm looking for that too. And we can certainly do that with today's modern cameras. Okay, so you're looking for photo photometric observations of the moons. Yes, I am. Okay. What's, what's the brightness of the moons? Around magnitude 13.5 to magnitude 14. Okay, so you need a decent-sized telescope and some good equipment to do that. Well, here's the thing. You can do it with a 10-inch telescope um, okay. because this is how far the digital cameras have come. I mean, with a digital camera and a 10-inch telescope with a good mount that's tracks, you can easily get down to magnitude 19, Okay, which means you can get 1% accuracy with a magnitude 14 object. Yeah. Now, of course, you need a dark sky. Um, right. So you, you people who live in the city... Um, you know, think about a, a, a drive out to a dark site, and you can do this kind of work. I mean, it's it's not that hard with modern cameras. Now, 50 years ago, it would have been difficult. You would have needed a big telescope. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, what is there anything going on with the current apparition of, of Uranus that you've seen in the observations you've received? Okay, I have not received too many observations so far. Um, and I have yet to make measurement or, or, or observations. Um, as far as I can tell, the uh, polar, the North Polar area is still bright. I believe I've looked at a couple of images. Um, other than that, um, 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 I'd have to look and see. Um, I, I haven't checked in the last week or two, but um, okay. as I recall, the North Polar area is still bright, but you have to image it in the near infrared light or maybe red. Okay. All right. What are some significant uh, discoveries or things that have been made through the ALPO um, um, remote planet section of Uranus? Okay. Um, well, first off, we've, we've uh, had people image the North Polar area mm -hmm. and some of the belts, faint belts, and we've been able to get measurements of those. Um, and um, people in the future will be able to know when 
to look for these features and what equipment to use. Now, I cannot really claim that we have, we've also measured the color indexes of Uranus, um, you know, B, V, R, and I. Mm -hmm. um, of course, others have done that earlier than us. And then, of course, Wesley Lockwood has done some really great work with Uranus, um, really over almost 50 years. So I can't say we have discovered the seasonal trends. Um, I really think it belongs to him. However, we certainly have verified okay. his work. And in fact, we sort of can say we've measured the seasonal brightness change in the V filter. Um, so, so again, I, but I, I don't want to really call it a discovery because okay. I believe Wesley Lockwood really deserves that title. Okay. Yeah. Uranus is not a planet that's often observed by amateurs, but really we are the first line of defense for observing it because I don't believe the professionals are really doing anything with it right now. We have no space probes going around the planet. So yeah. the amateurs oh. are the people that need to really get out there and observe the planet. Oh, I did say, I forgot to mention one thing. There is a possibility that the ultraviolet brightness of Uranus changes with the sunspot cycle. I did report that oh. uh, two years ago. Um, I feel more data needs to be collected, and certainly it's going to be important to collect data in the next few years because we're going to have a sunspot maximum probably mm -hmm. in three to four years is what I'm guessing. I don't know if it's going to be one of these big maxima or if it's going to sort of be sort of weak. We're just going to have to see on that. But if that is indeed the case, this would be sort of a main or major discovery. We're still in the preliminary stages, but um, there is a statistically significant correlation between the brightness of Uranus in ultraviolet light and the sunspot number. But stay tuned on that. Yeah, what would be causing something like that? Well, here's what's, what's happening is when you have sunspots, you also have what are called faculae. These are bright areas on the sun. Mm -hmm. In the sun, it varies in brightness by about two-tenths of a percent in visible light. But when you get into the ultraviolet light, which we don't see, it varies a lot more. And the sun is, from what I understand, is actually brighter in during a sunspot maximum than when it's in a sunspot minimum, and it's because of the faculae. People focus on the sunspots, and that's good. Mm -hmm. But the faculae really, I think, should be our focus really? for, for solar studies. Interesting. I did not know that. Yes. Wow. So, so, and again, we're working on that. I am, uh, as far as I know, I'm the only one getting ultraviolet brightness measurements of Uranus, and I'm hoping to get out there. Um, it's probably going to be later this month. We got to get the moon sort of mm -hmm. in a uh, smaller Ever phase than what it is now. Right, right, right. Oh, wow. Now you mentioned that your paper is being published. That's going to be in the journal of the Alpo. Yes, my 2021 report. Now the uh, paper reporting the possible correlation with sunspot activity. That's already been published. I think it was published in late 2019, but I may okay. be wrong about. It's a review of the ultraviolet 
filter photometry of Uranus. Okay. All right. So what do you see for the future of uh, the Uranus section or the minor planet section, uh, the uh, remote planet section? Okay. What I see is, uh, again, this is going to depend on what you, the observer, wants. Um, But what I see coming possibly is we're going to be combining spectra and photometry and images to get information on individual features on both Uranus and Neptune. Of course, Neptune shows a lot of variation too. Mm-hmm. And we can answer questions like, is the North Polar Hood getting brighter as the axis tip tips towards the pole? Towards the sun, as the North Pole tips towards the sun. Um, we can also, with good imaging, study some of these bright cloud belts, particularly when Uranus is near equinox. Um, I see that coming. Um, spectroscopic studies, but I think techniques involving two or more of these techniques are going to be more and more important. And of course, I, I really hope that somebody can, you know, once, you know, you know, I'm 63 now, so I don't, I won't be alive forever, but I'm hoping a long-term study can be done with U-filter photometry of Uranus, because I, I really think this is, this is uh, something important and it can be done, I think, with CCD camera. Um, you know, you need to get uh, an ultraviolet sensitive camera and one that's sensitive to wavelengths of around 380 nanometers. Hmm. Now, and is there any material on how to make observations like that available? Um, I'm sure there are. I mean, I am using an SSP5 oh. single channel photometer. It's a very good instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it a lot, but I'm sure there are... Uh, CCD cameras that are sensitive to the ultraviolet. I mean, we see ultraviolet images um, mm-hmm. of Jupiter and, and whatnot all the time. So, so I, I think some of these people who have CCD cameras, um, they can do CCD photometry. That's 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 easy. That can be done. Um, in fact, the AABSO I think is doing thousands and thousands of star right. measurements with the CCD camera. That's true. That's true. Okay. So uh, is there anything else you want to add about the, the remote planet section or observing Uranus that we haven't touched on? Um, yes. Well, um, of course there's Neptune and Pluto and, um, you know, Pluto is not an impossible target. I want to stress that to everyone. Um, you, you have a 12 to 14 inch telescope, a dark site, CCD camera, you can get good measurements in Pluto. In fact, in my book, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto and how to observe them, there's one man in Australia. He recorded Pluto occulting a star during a full moon. And he got good data. So you might want to read about his story. So, So even in bad sky conditions with modern equipment that we have now, we can get good Pluto data. And Pluto right now, 
what they think is happening is the atmosphere is freezing back onto the surface. Pluto's getting further away. Mm-hmm. And we can do this. I mean, uh, um, um, we can get CCD photometry of Pluto. And um, I, I uh, would love to see that. Of course, I need to try to learn how to do this, but I'm kind of busy writing papers and <laughs> trying to keep up with the Jupiter section and and, and, right. and writing books and that sort of thing. You are juggling a lot of balls right now in the air with the Alpo. <laughs> uh, yes, just trying to hang in there. <laughs> I see. Of course, yeah. he's got a full-time job too, so that's keeping me yep. busy. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Now you mentioned you mentioned your book. Where's the book available? Okay, it should be available on Amazon. It's called Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, and How to Observe Them. It's put out by Springer. Okay. And it's it was put out in two thousand and eight. Um, and it's there's still a lot of good information. Of course, um, it needs an update. Um, because you know a lot of good stuff has happened since right. 2008, but you know it's still a, a very good book. Goes over the basics, the fundamentals, and okay. also a lot of what the professionals are doing. And and by the way, I do want to say this: I'm almost sure that the professionals still are imaging Uranus and Neptune. And yes, they're using probably the Keck telescope. And don't forget, the James Webb telescope is scheduled to be launched in two months. Right. Right. I'm really excited about that because that's an infrared telescope. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's going to be exciting when that gets where it's supposed to go. (laughs) Yes. Very good. Very good. All right, Richard. Well, I will find your book on Amazon and I will put a link for it in the show notes as long as, as long with your email address. So if anybody has any questions about observing the remote planets, they can, they can contact you and, uh, and hopefully you'll get a few more observations this year because of this podcast. Oh, that'd be great. All right, Richard. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Okay. You're welcome, Tim. All right. That'll do it for this episode of the Observer's Notebook Podcast. Again, I want to thank... Uh, uh, remote planets coordinator for the Alpo, Richard Schmoody, for coming on and giving us a good discussion about observing the planet Uranus. Hey, get out there. Let's let's have some more observations of the planet. It's it's pretty rewarding to get out there and find it. I upload a new episode of the Observer's Notebook every few weeks. You can subscribe to it on iTunes. If you do, please rate and review us. You can also listen on Apple Radio, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon Echo, and Spotify. You can help support the podcast by donating to it via Patreon. You can give up to $35 a month, where you will receive one year's membership to the Alpo and producer credits on the podcast. And with that, I want to thank the producers of this podcast, Steve Seedentop and Michael Moyer, for their continued generous support of the podcast. Thank you very much, gentlemen. The link for Patreon, as well as the link for the Alpo, is in the show notes. If you'd like to get a hold of me, my email address is cometman at cometman.net. Or I'm also available on the Twitter at ObserversNBPod. Until next time, my hope is you always have clear and steady skies. Thanks for listening. <laughs>